Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're doing interview with an abductee. This is probably the most popular segment that I do on the podcast. Uh, I haven't done one for a little while, so I'm really excited to get into this interview. Just before that, though, I just want to say, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast app or website you use. Uh, it also helps if you leave us a review on whichever platform you're on. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Definitely jump on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, you can check out anything that's kind of going on, uh, everything like that. Uh, the other big one is we have a blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, any extra links for any of the episodes you'll find on there, any images, videos, any sort of sources that I kind of come across, jump on there for all of that gear. Now, the biggest one I just want to touch on quickly is I've just started a Patreon now, I know a lot of other podcasts have Patreons and my whole thing was I didn't want to commit to doing one, but I feel like, you know, the podcast is almost four years old. I've been doing this quite some time now and I know there's a lot of you listening and I think there's some of you who would probably enjoy uh, a little bit of extra kind of content and that's the plan with the Patreon. I've just got two tiers up there at the moment. Um, one is you get episodes early and the other one is that you get episodes early and bonus content from each podcast. Now, a good example of that is in this episode, we talk a lot about obviously alien abduction and experiences. There is a bonus experience that will not be in this episode, but will be on the Patreon. And just to give you a little teaser, it's about a great alien abduction experience. You might want to jump on Patreon and suss it out and we're just Paranormal Thoughts podcast on there. And once again, all of these links are in the description of this podcast. All right, well, let's get into interview with an abductee. So today I'm speaking with Adam, who is a 29-year-old uh, research psychologist from Massachusetts. And he reached out to me with some very interesting experiences. And I always say when I do these interviews, I'm always blown away by the people I get to speak with. They're usually extremely intelligent and very well researched in this particular topic. Um, when I first started talking to abductees, I wasn't really sure what to expect um, but these people know so much and a lot more than me in a lot of ways too. So I love just sitting back and hearing their experience and kind of having a conversation with um, with all these people who are very brave enough to come forward and let you guys know of their experience. So thank you once again for Adam for taking the time to come on the podcast and I hope you enjoy. Uh, Adam, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background? Just give people a little bit of an idea of kind of who you are and so on. All right. So I'm I'm Adam. I'm currently uh, 29. And um, so I grew up in Massachusetts, the United States, in this very uh, small area called 
Well, it's a part of an area called the Bridgewater Triangle, which essentially within, I guess, the last 60 or 70 years just has been prone to a lot of odd occurrences. Like if we're talking from like UFOs to ETs to like odd wild animals, to even like satanic cults and state forests and like mutilations and things like that. So it's an area that's just kind of um, known for being just a little just a little odd. Um, so my family was always in specifically like my father was always kind of into the whole UFOs, like the space race. He grew up in the early 50s. So he was just kind of thrown in the air and had a passion for it. And that kind of, I guess, trickled down to my, my brother and I. And so even when we were growing up, we didn't really have any closed attitudes towards um, anything like anything paranormal, anything even like super spiritual and definitely, especially like UFOs. That was definitely always a big, uh, topic for the family. So as I kind of got older, I didn't really have, you know, I can't really have, I didn't really have anything specific that really, you know, jumped out to me until, um, something happened when I was 15, pretty much changed my life forever. It really, put a lot of things in perspective, mainly the fact that um, not everything's figured out. And there's still a lot of, I guess, I like to call it magic in the sense that we don't really understand a lot of the dimensions scientifically. So in that sense, it's, you know, just it's unknown, it's, uh, empirically unknown. So just to kind of open with this experience here, I believe it was um, in 2006, like I said, I was 15. Um, and it was October, I believe it was a just about the middle of October. And I had one of my friends over my parents' house to um, rehearse for like an upcoming um, show at the time. We were both guitarists and just like a little uh, bad metal band. <laughs> so we're just kind of rehearsing and the power ends up going out. So it's not really effective to play the electric guitar and rehearse with no electricity. So we just kind of, you know, left the house and just kind of walked around the neighborhood it's a relatively small neighborhood, um, and it's kind of uh, like in a grid format, but it's right on uh, right on the bottom edge of this massive pond. It's one actually one of the biggest ponds in Massachusetts. So we're pretty much just like walking around the neighborhood. I'm just curious to see how far this power power outage is. This is a pretty pretty rural town, so we don't really have any streetlights or anything like anything like that. So we're walking, we're walking to the beach and it's probably about 5.30 or so, 5 o'clock. And we're looking over this, this um, beach and it's kind of like on the east end of the neighborhood. And we're seeing lights across, across the lights. We're saying, okay, maybe it's just this isolated area. Hopefully it'll be back soon. And I remember at that time when we were at that beach, I felt an odd, it was almost like a charge in the air. I, I, certain people have certain sensitivities to like weather and things like that. Some people can like kind of know it's raining, whether that be like they just have a sense for like atmospheric pressure or even like um, magnetism, magnetism or something like that. But it, it almost felt like static electricity in the air. Like I could literally feel it um, on my body. So it's kind of like just this weird um, charge, like almost like a charge is the best way I could describe it. So we kind of just continue to walk around the neighborhood, just walking around the neighborhood. And then 
uh, I guess it'd be about an hour later. You know, we're two 15-year-old kids. My friend was Aaron. So we're, we're just, like, you know, continuing to walk. And we're two 15-year-old kids. So we're just kind of just goofing off. And around this time, you know, like I said, it's a couple hours or an hour or two. It's starting to get darker. When it finally kind of got dark, it was very dark. Like I said, no street lights. It was pretty much pitch black. So now we're um, at the other side of the neighborhood in uh, the other beach. And I'll just call it refer to the West Beach. Previously, we were just at like the East Beach, or the East side of the neighborhood. So we're kind of walking down the street um, on this West Beach. And coming down the road, we see this very bright light. Um, a very bright blue light and we didn't really think i didn't like at the time i didn't really think anything of it and we just kind of both aaron and i kind of just went um down the path to the beach so it's about like a 200 or so feet um stretch to get to like this this ledge and then there's a couple steps down and then you're actually on the beach so we're just kind of near the ledge um as this blue light you know we thought it was just you know car um, it really looked like something like just like a motorcycle. So that's kind of what we thought. So we, we just kind of went uh, off the street. So the, the, this is kind of weird. <laughs> it gets a little odd. So as this thing got closer and it, it started pacing back and forward in front of the beach. And like I said, it looks like, um, it, you know, we originally thought it was like uh, an automobile or a motorcycle, but when we were closer, um, when it was closer, rather, it looked like somebody on a bike. Except the odd thing was there was no noise of a bike chain. Um, you know, I, it was like, it's just pitch black. I couldn't really make out any figures outside of it looked like a man on a bike, um, like with their, hand, uh, their hands outstretched. Um, no sound, no movement at all. Couldn't see any movement of arms, feet, or anything. It was as if the like this thing on this bike was moving by itself, literally almost hovering. There was no um, fluctuation in the degree, uh, the linear nature of the light. So this like lane, it looked very blue, almost like essentially like an LED, a very high-powered LED at the time. And this was 2006. Obviously, LEDs were around, but they weren't as popular, I guess you could say, or as commercially popular as they are now. So this thing is just, just like this blues laser light at a straight 180 degrees that never <laughs> that never bobbles or anything. It's a, it's a rural town. It's very, they're really patchy roads. You would expect some bobble. Um, and I've also been on that beach before, and you can hear a bike chain just from the area we were. It wasn't like a loud. <laughs> it's not a loud neighborhood or anything like that. Um, so this this like entity or thing continues to pass back and forth in front of this beach. And like I said, it was literally just like hovering, just like a, a drone or something. And when it turned, it was so mechanical. It was just as if it like almost clicked into um, its next like rotation. Like when it would turn around or just all of a sudden be turned around. So uh, Aaron and I are just like at the ledge and we're kind of just talking. We weren't really, you know, being stealthy 
or anything like that. You could clearly hear us if you're on the streets. And I'm kind of thinking, I mean, this is a cop or this, that, um, you know, like what's, you know, I didn't want to deal with any authorities or anything like that. Uh, I also didn't mention there's like no drugs, no alcohol, nothing like that. Um, people usually like to ask that sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no drugs, no, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing. Um, so I think it's like a, you know, a cop thinking, oh, it's two kids, two, two ne- teenagers, like smoking a drink or drinking on the beach or something, but it wasn't a cop just stayed pacing there. And I don't know how long it was, how long it was. It could have been 15, 20, 30 minutes. <clears throat> I really don't know. But both Aaron and I kind of have a loss of some loss of time during that period. And I remember thinking, wow, hold on a second. It's like kind of been a while that this thing is just going back and forth. Like what, what the hell's going on? And like right when I had that feeling, um, or right when I had that thought rather, I had this feeling like right in the back of my spine, like right at the top, uh, like the bottom of your, because the bottom of your head around your neck. And it was just, I have not really had a feeling, I've only had a feeling like that probably two other times in my life, maybe even just one. It's just one of those feelings where you like know something's up, almost like a spider sense. Some people just kind of have like uh, that intuition. So right as when I had that thought and feeling, it stopped pacing and then continued the trajectory where it started coming from. So it's leaving our view. And I've always been a curious person. So I was like, well, we, we got to follow this thing, Aaron. Like, who, who the hell is this? Like, who's this creep, like, just pacing in front of the beach um, for two, with two 15-year-old kids? Like, this, who, who, what the heck is this person? So we kind of, you know, wait till it gets a little further down the street and then we fall behind it. And, you know, it's probably about 200 uh uh, yeah, 200, 300 feet ahead of us, and it's approaching a divide in the street. And right as it's approaching the divide, I noticed that Aaron is, like, lagging behind me because um, we were just kind of walking forward. So I, I turn around, and I look at Aaron, and she's just looking straight up at the sky. And I'm, Naturally, I look exactly where she's looking, and in the top right of the sky over the beach is this pulsating light of the full light spectrum um we're talking red blue green orange purple um yellow am i missing a color uh i'm probably missing a color but the whole uh the whole the whole light spectrum and it was like pulsating a whole like literally a giant cloud took up almost half the sky pretty much half the sky no sound at all no like like lightning bolts or anything like that but i remember the last flash was literally like a fluorescent green and at that time in this you know it pulsed probably like i don't know the the pulse i saw that pulse is probably like seven or eight you know variations of color and Aaron and i just looked at it and just booked it down the street instantly it was just direct <laughs> uh, f- f- fight or flight response and we definitely flew right out of there and we didn't even see that entity on the bike or whatever that was um totally gone i assume it either took a left or right when we just ran straight uh, on that divide i i have no idea but it was just just gone so we get about i don't know 300 feet down the road and we're just swearing our asses off and we're just very 
uh, <laughs> freaked out. The adrenaline's pumping, like breathing very heavy, or just like screaming, like, what the hell was that? Blah, 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 blah. And here I am, I'm thinking like, this is, um, this is, has to be like extraterrestrial. Like what's, what's going on? Like, that's not normal. Something's, something's happening. And I'm like, we got to go back. And everyone's like, no, 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 we can't go back. I'm like, we got to go back. Like, <laughs> we need to go back. I, I don't know what this was. And I kind of want to know what this is. So I just start walking there and then I start to go into a jaw and, and then luckily, uh, well, not luckily, but thankfully Aaron decided to follow me. And then we just went to another sprint right back to the beach and we go up right to the, um, right to that overhead ledge. And I'm actually able to get a better look at it. There were some trees that were blocking some of the, um, some of like the cloud. So I was, the, I was able to see a lot more detail. So what I really was perceived or what I've, I guess you could say, assessed is that I believe it's there had to have been some type of light source in the sky, whatever that may be. I have no idea. Could have been UFO, could have been some type of technology, could have been this. But yeah, like I said, it had to have been some type of light source in the sky. And this cloud was almost like a uh, camouflage or was blocking the like what the actual source was. But you could tell that it was extremely bright. And when we got up to that ledge, when we ran back and got up to ledge, I could see the textures when it pulsed. Like when we got there, it was pulsing again. And same thing, full light spectrum. And I could see it better. And you could tell that, you know, there was something very bright. And as it got closer or um, out of, as it went further through the cloud, it kind of got less saturated. And it looked very textured, almost like lightning, except it didn't like behave like normal traditional lightning. It just stayed and maintained in that cloud. It wouldn't leave the cloud. And I couldn't see the, um, I guess you could say, the electrical charge as detailed as what you would as a normal electrical storm. Again, no, no sound at all. No thunder, completely silent. That was probably really eerie. So it, it's going through, uh, this is like the second time we've seen these flashes and we're just still kind of like a wit's end. We're just like, what is this? And I remember just thinking how like magical this, like seeing this area of the sky light up, like just fluorescent purple. It's like, it was really bizarre. So, and oh, another thing to mention too, during this time, as it at the last series of pulse pulses, they seem to be a little dimmer in like cooler colors, like purple, blue, um, red. So we're kind of, it, 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 and then it does stop. And so we're waiting, we're waiting, you know, 10 minutes go by. I think it was maybe 15 minutes. And then it was actually probably, I think actually it was probably about, about 10 minutes, maybe a little less. And then it happens again. This time, fainter color and even more cooler colors. Um, and that was actually the last time we saw it. So we wait another 10 minutes, 15 minutes. We're like, okay, let's go back to my parents' house. We'll, we'll get the camera. Um, if it does happen again, we're going to have this on camera because this is like, what, what the hell is this? Go back to my parents' house. They probably thought we were <laughs> a sounding lunatic. Who knows what they thought we were doing, but we got the camera and pretty much ran back and we're just filming. And this is, um, so Aaron wrote the story back, I think it was 2007 and published it on 
in online form. And then later, literally like a decade later, I wrote it out myself. Um, so there is a little difference between our stories and this is one of them. Um, so Erin says she remembers seeing multiple people on the beach when we came back, like literally five or six people that scattered when we got there. I don't, I know for a fact that there was two because two people passed us. It was a man and a woman. The woman had a, uh, well, I should say they were, um, they're probably a few years older than us. They seem to be 18 or 20, maybe. I didn't really get the best look at them against pitch black. <laughs> um, so yeah, two passed us and the, and the woman had a, a picnic basket of all things. Um, and they, right when we got there, we didn't even like hit the grass uh, leading to the beach. It was like, we we're just on the street. Maybe they heard us because we were, <laughs> I'm sure we probably sounded ridiculous. But I don't remember seeing uh, any other people than that. So that's kind of one little difference in our story. But other than that, I feel like it's very, very similar. Um, so we go go back and we're just filming in the dead of night. And uh, one of the hardest parts about just the UFO phenomenon is getting things on film in the nighttime. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Which, gosh, it's um, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just not going to look that good. So <laughs> we're just filming just, just pretty much just right over the... Uh, over the pond and there were about 10 minutes into the film and all of a sudden we see this you know this bright light that starts to appear in the sky and it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter uh orange it, it gets to be a very bright orange red and it's a diamond shape and it literally starts from like no light at all to this very bright diamond shape and then collapses into collapses back into nothing. The whole thing from like dim to bright to collapse was seven seconds. And we had this cell phone tower over the, uh, over the pond as a reference. It came, you know, came above the tree line, 50 feet, maybe hundred feet. So it's, you know, um, this first, uh, I guess bright light was, you know, directly kind of off above to the right. And like I said, it was only seven seconds and we didn't even know we caught on film. That's how hard it was to tell. We're just filming out there and we didn't even think we got it. But we actually we, we actually did catch that in film. So I think three more minutes go by, exactly three minutes actually. And then another um, like fireball appears. Um, similar location, but probably about 200 feet or so, maybe 100 to 200 feet closer to that cell phone, uh, like that blinking cell phone tower. So very interesting how this object kind of moved um, over for in three minutes, or I really <laughs> have no idea. But the same thing, a giant fireball diamond shape. And, you know, we did not think we got on camera <laughs> at all. But like I said, we did. It's so hard to see. And this is 2006. So it's just this crap. No HD. It's probably, it's just not the best camera. But we still got it on film. And then, you know, so we're still filming, still filming. We're waiting, waiting. Nothing, nothing really has uh, happened. You know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes go by, still nothing. So after that, we kind of said, well, I think that's probably enough for one night. Um so then we ended up going 
just you know just went home and then i think the following day i think actually we went home and then shortly after we went home the uh power went on and then the following day we uh finished up our rehearsal but that was just really the i guess the first experience i had where it's um you don't really i guess comprehend what's happening when you're right in the moment I remember after just thinking like just having this and I, I still do almost like an obsession, a passion, a compulsion to figure out what I experienced and to f see if I could find somebody else who witnessed that as well. It's a pretty, like I said, it's a, one of the biggest, uh, I think it's the third biggest pond in Massachusetts. Who knows, maybe someone listening uh, by chance <laughs> might have um, experienced uh, a similar thing, but it, I guess like the way I was picturing it as you're explaining it, it, it almost reminds me mm. of a um, like a lightning storm out at sea where you can see the flashing lights and as you said, there was no noise either. So And that's often how they kind of appear because they're quite far out in the ocean. But obviously the biggest mm. difference would be the different colours. And I think the other interesting thing obviously as well is that the whole neighbourhood lost power and then all of a sudden you're watching this what looks like this sort of electrical show going on um, and so on, which seems like a very odd coincidence um, when you think about it like that. So I'm not sure what that could have been, but I haven't ever heard anything um, to that sort of description. So very yeah. interesting. Yeah, na like naturally, first thing you think, oh, some type of like weather phenomena. Um, so to my not lightning can be different colors depending on like atmosphere environment. Like I've seen footage of very like red lightning and even orange lightning from like, uh, you'll see from like volcanoes, uh, like in volcanoes when they're erupting and things like that. But there's no volcano no, uh, in my exactly. neighborhood. The atmosphere wouldn't be changing enough within that sort of time either to be producing these multiple different colors either. And you would just expect some type of sound. It was just mm. the it was just one of the eeriest things. It was like no shake. The, like it was so bright, and usually, usually the brighter the lightning is, you know, the the louder the thunder. It, it, we were right there, like, um, but nothing at all. I've looked into like weather phenomena like that. I haven't been able to find anything of any type of weather phenomenon that actually like is, can describe what we witnessed. And I get drawn to a lot of alternative physics like Tesla, obviously, Walter Russell, things like that. And um, I found out that Tesla was one of the individuals who was able to manipulate and produce multicolored lightning. I said, well, that's interesting. Uh, how come nobody else can do it? And how come I saw that? <laughs> that's weird um so I, at this point in time I, I i don't think it's a uh, extraterrestrial i think maybe it's some type of uh overlay and yeah you know, i'm still not necessarily against the idea that some type of some type of very unique weather phenomenon maybe something with ball lightning but again if i would assume that there'd be some other documentation somewhere as you said the experience was in 2006 so quite some time ago yeah. so yeah yeah and that was just kind of the beginning and i guess for me that was just the cracking of the veil or just so i was a little more comfortable with i guess anomalous experiences and it wasn't until i was yeah it wasn't until i was 25 other things started happening to me like um precognitive dreams and i started 
actually really diving into physics and things like that. And just almost like, uh, just really, I was going through a change in consciousness, I suppose, just because I was meditating a lot and just really kind of doing just, just inner work that kind of needs to be done. So I remember it was, um, late, I know it was, um, I think it was June. Yeah. It was either late May, June, 2017. Yes. Um, so this was the first like actual extraterrestrial I saw and that experience was definitely didn't really see that coming at all. I was just, it was just a normal night and I was, uh, it was probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock, um, PM. And I was on the couch just watching TV and all of a sudden I just lost my consciousness just like that. And the next thing I know, I'm staring at this, um, extraterrestrial like dead in the eyes and I'm extremely perplexed, like a, a deer in the headlights and just to describe it real quick. Um, it wasn't like a traditional gray alien that you hear a lot of reports about. It was actually, um, reptilian in nature, but not, not lizard like in that way, not like scaly. Um, its skin was smooth. Almost the best way I could describe it was like a shark skin, like a cartilage, pretty much. Seemed to be seemed to look like that. And it was like a tannish and there was texture to it. It wasn't just a one uniform color. There was um, you know, um what's the word? Like if you look at an individual skin, it's, you know, relatively one pigment, but there's blotches. Some areas might be have different textures. Some area might uh, be a little darker. It was the same for um, this, this ET. Mass, like massive head. Uh, I, I remember thinking like, how the heck can this thing support its head? <laughs> it's so big. So it like went out, uh, like looking from like from the front here, it went like straight and like giant in the back not like a traditional gray head and more so went like um to the back and out like very big and then down to the neck and then very broad shoulders i only really saw up to the the shoulder line like i said there was like actual textures like dottings and patterns on the head especially like on the forehead going back and on like the uh the neck uh the neck breast line as well there's like a almost like a uh a half circle and I'm staring at this thing and then <laughs> this thing is staring at me and I'm just like, Oh my God, like I'm, this thing, like I knew this was like a being that obviously wasn't a human. I'm just like caught in this like thought chain, like what, like what the, what the hell? And then I received information from it and it wasn't like in the sense of, words or like, 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 uh, audible words or like an audible thought in my head. It was more so a feeling, um, like I'm a research psychologist and my main, one of my main, uh, I guess areas or interests of research is like consciousness studies, like parapsychology, like telekinesis, ESP, and, you know, weaning a lot of the disinformation that has been attributed to a lot of those, uh, yeah, okay. yeah a lot of those factors and just how, Sometimes there's a lot of scammers that want to make a lot of try to make money, and there's the actual science of what, um, like they call like ESP or telekinesis, psi, like the actual science of psi is kind of gotten lost in academia outside in parapsychology. So 
traditionally, um, psi or just that type of like psychic communication doesn't need to be words. Usually we kind of personify it um, and think like, oh, if I'm going to communicate telepathically to somebody, I'm going to say hello and they'll hear my language. Doesn't That's really not necessarily the quickest way or most effective way to communicate. You can send a feeling, you can send an image, you could, you know, these, these are things that you could do that could happen quicker and you actually get more information than actual linguistics or uh, language to an extent. So I like received this information and it was just like instantaneous, just like, um, yeah, I'm a live being. Like, what, what do you think? <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you expect? Almost kind of like in a sarcastic tone. And I was like, um, okay. Uh, and I'm still just like, I, I don't know how to react. I'm just in this, you know, that's the only thing I could stare at was, you know, this thing. And I'm, I'm also looking at the, um, pretty much just, I was fascinated by the, by the eyes. I didn't even mention the eyes. And I, I said like reptilian in nature. And really the only reason uh, that makes me say that is because the, it was a, the pupil, like a cat's eyes pupil. There was like a double, uh, double iris too in the eye. It was, uh, it was like um, you had the iris color and I remember it was like a yellow, um, like a yellow. And then th there was like another one. It was like a yellow brown. And again, like a very thin slit, not a round pupil, a, a diamond pupil, I guess. So I'm staring at this thing still in awe. And If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the part that really freaked me out. It like kind of stood a little more upright or just kind of like straightened its posture a little bit and was like looking like staring me right in the center of my eyes and then it just like oscillated into me it like it pretty much like i'm not gonna say poofed but it like clicked into me like as a shadow and it happened in stages and it was extremely quick so as as opposed to something moving like consistently it like clicked into me and i could see like the extension of uh, this thing's body, just like black, just like hitting me right in the head. I didn't feel anything. But at that moment, I woke up. And uh, when it was, when it just like jumped at me, or I don't know if it was jumping, but it appeared that way, it's like smiled. So I'm seeing this like (laughs) black image of this thing's face as it's going like right into me. And it's smiling. And then I like woke up from that and I was like, oh, I remember saying like, well, um, that's different. And I kind of just like got up instantly and just kind of just like walking around the living room in the daze. And then I remember like looking at the lamp and be like, okay, the lamp's here. Like I know, <laughs> I know where I am. Like this is, you know, I know my environment, but that was, um, that actually like really freaked me out. And I didn't even want to think of that experience. Um, because it just really gave me like chills to very similar feeling to what I experienced back in 2006. Just like that, almost like that spider sense tingle in the back of your neck that, you know, something's, uh, something's up. And like, I was so terrified of that, uh, situation. I, I wouldn't even like, I was with a, a partner at the time for like five years and like, we were really close and we, you know, we could talk about anything. And I, I, didn't even mention it to her for like two weeks until I like got the courage just to kind of talk about it. And part of it was me just like still terrified of the experience. And then the other half, even though we were, um, you know, very close at the time, I was kind of afraid of what she would think. Yeah. Even though she's known my uh, past experiences and, and things like that. And then you know, a few months go by, uh, and this to me, like most of my life, I've never, like, like I said, up until I was about 26, 25, 26, I, you know, I like, I was always into, you know, ufology and extraterrestrials and experiencers and things like that. But I didn't like consider myself, um, I guess, an experiencer. I guess I didn't identify with that. You know, I had my experiences, but I didn't never really use that to identify, you know, part of who I am. So I had that experience in, you know, May, June. And then September, I remember, oh, it was, it was September 9th or 10th on 2017. because it was the day uh, of my, one of my best friend's wedding. Uh, when I woke up in the morning, I, you know, I went to bed early actually uh, the night before. And I didn't, uh, the thing is I didn't felt like I got any sleep at all. I just felt like I didn't sleep at all. Like no dreams, no, usually there's some type of, you kind of have 
feeling like, you know, I got some sleep, nothing felt like I was awake the whole time. And when I woke up, um, I had a, uh, burn mark on my left temple. So I'm, uh, I noticed it in the mirror after I showered, I was like, what, like, what is this? And it was actually like a burn mark in the form of a triangle, three dots, and just right at the top, top of my left temple. And it wasn't like a burn from a stove. It looked like it was a laser burn. Each one of the indents or like how, how it went in, it was exactly the same. It wasn't like any type of bug bite. It was as if somebody like just took a high powered laser or electricity, something that was controlled and just. Yeah, very precise. Yeah, very precise. Yeah. And it took about a month to heal actually. Wow. Um, and it was, it wasn't super, super deep, but it was, um, it was just deep enough to each one where it like went through the skin just to like that right, like right underneath the skin where like that thin layer of, I guess, muscle or just like that, I don't know, whatever the lower, lowest layer of skin is. So I could see like the pink and each one was like the same shade and it didn't like scab like a normal uh, cut or anything like that. It didn't scab at all. Actually, it just kind of like closed up and that, that moment there, I was kind of, it's like, oh, an aha moment. It's like as if my whole life kind of just like pieced together. I was like, oh, geez, maybe this, huh, <laughs> maybe some of these experiences are starting to make sense. Like personally, I don't really believe in like coincidence or things like that. I more so believe in meaning mm-hmm. and like synchronicity yep. and stuff. Um, so I don't like the whole random or you're just thrown in here just to, being here and everything's not connected. I don't, my life has never been like that. So I can't, um, can't say anything against, you know, finding meaning in series of events or experiences. So after that happened, I was like, Holy. And then it was that October. I, uh, started to talk to my brother and it was, uh, in my, my father was there too. We were actually, coming back from a uh, UFO conference and my brother starts to talk and he starts to talk about his experiences and he's had a lot of experiences primarily with the grace, like going back to even younger than when I was like, you're talking 12 years old and you know, like abduction experiences to the point where like ships, you see ships, crafts, uh, even other abductees. And we started opening up and I started talking about my experiences. And then, you know, my father um, also had experiences when he was younger in the 70s. He doesn't really like to talk about them. But I started just seeing um, a narrative where a lot of experiencers or abductees, it's not an isolated event usually. It's like a, a family thing. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> it's like something maybe genetic and... I relate it to similar um, phenomena in parapsychology with I- individuals who are more tuned or uh, more tuned or have like some type of psychic ability or something, I guess, abnormal in that sense, some type of psychological phenomena that's not really empirically explained in psychology or physics. And in parapsychology, usually it's not isolated events either. Usually it's, it's families that, you know, are kind of have this ability or this extra sense, I should say. I, sometimes it could be like a sense. Um, and 
one of the professors at my previous university, he was a parapsychologist who did a lot of work on poltergeists in Europe. And he, he pretty much assessed like, you know, if, if there is some type of paranormal phenomena or some type of anomalous phenomena, usually if individuals are involved, it's less so of those individuals being at the right place at the right time to experience this event or experience whatever it is. It's more so they attract that experience. They attract that event or that anomalous thing. So there's potentially this relationship between individuals who are just a little more, um, they have essentially a different sensitivity and this other, um, <laughs> this other realm of things that we may not be able to, um, well, but I would say most things we can't really explain. Definitely. It's, it's very, I think you've touched on some very interesting points. A big one being, uh, your brother and also your father experiencing similar things and the amount of people I've spoken to and, you know, just reading different case studies and so on, that that is, it comes up time and time again where a family member will open up and then, you know, their mother or father will then say, oh, that that's kind of weird. I had this weird thing happen that sort of sounds a bit similar. And I think it's also interesting that you don't believe that things are coincidence. It's more synchronicity. Things are connected because that is a massive thing. That That's a question I always write down to eventually ask people, but the amount of times it comes up naturally in conversation, there's a very weird thing between UFO sightings slash abductions and synchronicity. I, I totally believe that you aren't just kind of in the right place at the right time. That You know, people who are being selected and experiencing these events definitely on some sort of level connected in some way or you know there's many different sort of options to why someone could be chosen or so on to have these experiences but it's definitely not random and when you speak to people more and more I'm sort of finding that's just the case because people from all sorts of different interesting backgrounds um, go through this sort of um, type of experience and even someone like yourself who with your work and so on you have a very interesting insight into how you think this is all kind of happening and being very self-aware. And I think that's a massive thing with a lot of people who are at least quite open with these types of experiences or have multiple experiences. I think that's that's probably the difference as well, people who can recall having time and time again um, these types of events. But I think it's very interesting when you kind of look at the type of people who are taken and the ones who are very self-aware and start to think about the bigger picture and so on rather than it just being this weird thing or even potentially a dream that it's actually something much bigger. I feel like the biggest uh, issue is just we have this spectrum of sciences that kind of dictate the laws of of the universe, laws of psychology, laws of this and that. Um, but, you know, being, I guess, in higher academia the last few years made me realize, you know, it's not a perfect, <laughs> not a perfect system at all. Definitely. Um, there's, there's things that get, have gotten grossly overlooked, uh, things really that we should have been done, uh, research that should have been done in the sixties and seventies that we're just doing now. Um, like research on consciousness studies and like research on meditation and things like that, um, research on psychedelics. I believe the uh, especially like consciousness and uh, consciousness and meditation, well, even psychedelics to an extent. It's all it, it is all related to this other, almost this other realm 
of uh, experiences. And science kind of says, you know, this is how it is. And, oh, we, we, yep, you had that experience. Well, we'll just fit it into some other framework that we already have. Yeah. That to me, they're very shaky and they're assuming too much. And one thing that I, um, that science should not assume anything. And I feel like they're assuming so much in like the UFO phenomena, the ET phenomena, um, and really just uh, anything esoteric or paranormal. It's, uh, and I'm looking at this like you're not looking at this logically. No. You're looking at this to fit it into something that's already been created. You need to look at these experiences and say, huh, I can't necessarily quantify the data, but this, there's, these experiences have a history. And you could say a, a recent history, the seven, like, you know, last 70, 80 years with this big UFO boom, I guess you could say. Or you could look at the big, big picture and be like, this, this, this presence has been here since, you know, the dawn of our written history. In a sense, Yes, it was. You have like, you know, uh, um, Vedic philosophy and Vedic mysticism talking about flying crafts and all these like psychic abilities and things. And I don't, I guess, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence as a habitual meditator. Like you can be thrown into some weird experiences, you know, just sometimes, you know, you don't really expect them, but like, you know, body sensations or it could be, could be any seeing visuals there's a, we actually there's a lot of uh, research on that now and most meditators actually do uh, have an or i guess i should phrase it most like long time habitual meditators do have like some type of odd occurrence or an odd experience even like an experience with a type of entity or being or presence that is um can be explained to an extent but not um, not adequately enough for me, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It is very frustrating that uh, I suppose a lot of skeptics do try to fit this into their sort of um, box of this is what we know, it has to fit within this, otherwise it's, you know, kind of just thrown out. Yeah, it's very, it's really frustrating. Um, someone who has been speaking, you know, about these topics for years and so on and speaking to people like yourself who you've obviously done a lot of research and have a lot of, uh, of these experiences. So you know what you're talking about, you know what you've experienced. Yeah. It's, it's that thing of these type of events can't be, well, from what we know of so far now, they can't be easily explained. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's more just opening up a conversation and starting to think about things yep. more rationally within this. It's like, you know, it just doesn't, you can't even start to comprehend some of this stuff. My biggest thing is just opening up a dialogue and just being open to the, people aren't making this up. That's the biggest thing, you know. It's yeah. once upon a time, yep. maybe, but there is absolutely no reason now. It's not what people do for attention anymore. I, I can guarantee you, yeah. it's it's to, it's happening. It's been happening a very long time, and um, I guess like I want to know what do you think is the point of abduction? My interesting thing. Right, is especially, and we can touch on this in a moment, is disclosure at the moment, right? It's at its peak. Mm, With everything yep. that's been going on this year, which is 2020 coronavirus, and, you know, especially um, in America where you're currently living, like politically things are at, <laughs> at an absolute peak, Yeah. right? It's it's insane. This this is, It's only, what's well, August tomorrow, right? It's been an insane yeah. seven months yeah. of this year. Um, and mm. everyone is on this sort of... Um, 
bandwagon of disclosure and it's definitely started peaking uh, for the probably the last three, four years. I've always found it interesting because disclosure, I guess, is the government coming out and saying, this is what we know, uh, this is what we sort of kept from you and so on. But when I speak to experiences, it's kind of like that stuff doesn't even matter because there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, there's people like people like yourself kind of have answers. You know, you have like bits and pieces. And then when you start to look at a bunch of different people, you kind of start to put things together a little bit anyway. So the whole thing for disclosure for me is like, oh, well, sure, we can have a release from the Pentagon that, you know, and like there's only just been one in the last few days saying that, yes, we have evidence of craft that isn't from this world. It's like, yes, great. It's like we've definitely, we're far past that now, you know, like, UFOs, yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, the thing of UFOs, great, 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 but it's like what are these experiences? And even now, you know, um, close encounters of the fifth kind where people are meditating and so on to communicate with beings. It's like we are so far ahead um, of kind of, I guess, what the general public would kind of assume is what's kind of going on. So I'd like to know what, what's your kind of take on what sort of happened to you? Where are you sitting right now with that? Yeah, it's clearly control controlled disclosure i think probably um well i honestly think probably most likely this isn't like a plan that came up the last 10 years 20 this is most likely been a plan since um they had the technology and i lean more towards the impression that we've had um essentially zero point technology since the 1900s or so tesla knew to, you know he wasn't um he didn't understand everything about electromagneticism but at the time he was probably one of the ones who was you know top of the world and he was doing things and um psycholo- <laughs> the man psychologically was so abnormal and then when you look at like his inventions and patents that are commercially that's like you're you know, that's a treasure. But the thing he actually, the things he wrote about in like his autobiography and like his papers to me scream that this man kind of cracked an important code, but was just censored. And, you know, maybe related to UFOs, maybe, you know, maybe not. Uh, He, Tesla talked about UFOs and things like, uh, things like that. So really this script has been going on for a long time. Um, it's a shame Tesla was censored, but, um, it does appear that there is some type of, um, overarching government or overarching, uh, infrastructure that is controlling this, uh, controlling the narrative and controlling technology. I don't really know who it is or what it is or, but it, to me, it's clear that this isn't just, you know, they're not releasing this information politically or anything. It's more of like a, a specific psychological window, maybe. Yeah. This is the best time to, because the last 70 years, we haven't heard, we've heard Jack pretty much from the, the government about, I mean, there's never really been an official statement regarding uh, uh, footage, material outside of like the, you know, whistleblowers. And, you know, last few years we have that, you know, last year we have the dump from the Navy and then we have this one from the Pentagon and then the New York Times article. Um, And I'm like, that's like, holy crap, we got all this in two years. Yeah, it's insane. And And no one even uh, seems to care. (laughs) That's that's the funniest thing, isn't it? It's it's so weird. Yeah. Um, So abductions. Oh, gosh, that's uh, 
that's such a rabbit hole because know. you know it's so tough to really assess what an ET is. There's so many speculative ideas of like what they are or what's going on, even to the point where even to going into like things talking about like simulation theory, where like this is a simulator. Uh, we're sorry, we're in a simulation and actually like these, um, these UFO crafts, these are like programs of the simulation, like breaking the simulation is and just programming these crafts that defy physics in. I don't necessarily believe that to an extent, but that's, you know, that's how, uh, far out that some of these, um, speculations can go. Um, so like, why are people getting abducted? You know, if there are, if there is this or multiple extraterrestrial race that have been coming to this planet, which, you know, I do, I, I do believe, um, you know, uh, obviously this is like, you know, genetics, gen genetic material, DNA is highly important. Um, not obviously, you know, not in the sense that it just holds information, I think currently the scientific understanding of DNA is completely bonkers. <laughs> makes no sense. They don't understand it. So we have an issue where we don't know how important this is. And to me, I see DNA as really a receptor of consciousness. It's, it's the way it's designed. It's like a specific to pick up electrical charge. It's just like in a tube of water and you have this DNA that spins and your brain's just producing all these uh, like oscillations and all this electricity. And like, this is like the perfect conductor as if you were to uh, design like a robot with a organic brain. Like this is the perfect thing. It's like got all, everything it needs. Um, so there's that um, fact that there's also the notion that DNA may hold like complete information, like even all the information of your ancestors and everything. And like one strand of DNA, like a complete fractal of like, your entire biological lineage. So I could see the value of some extraterrestrial species looking into that. You know, this is obviously the idea that they created us, they, this rendition of human beings. I kind of lean towards that. Like, you I like know, that I don't as well. Think, that sort of fits in yeah. with my beliefs, yeah. Yeah, like I don't, um, I more so believe that I don't think that this rendition of the human is the first, like going back to our earliest history, like the, Ve uh, the Vedic history and like um, ancient Mesopotamia, like those people had order, they had politics, they had all this established infrastructure that essentially came out of nowhere. Either all that history and, and text and language was destroyed or, you know, this is the rebuilding of a previous civilization that was destroyed you know, they nuke themselves, they're wiped out, who, you know, who knows? And, you know, there's all that speculation about a lot of the ancient structures and the way they were built and the technologies that may have been used to build them. I more lean towards there were was advanced technologies. I don't think they really understand the pyramids at all as much as they think they do. Um, and similar to other structures, um, like Gotepe uh, Temple is another one. It's like these very, very... Uh, advanced structures that have technology that we don't have today. Like I don't, to this day, we don't have a structure that is earthquake proof. You know, those structures back then are earthquake proof. To me, that's, that's an engineering ideal <laughs> that we don't have today. I've also proposed um, one of my videos that the abduction is not physical. You start going into this concept, I guess, of consciousness and physics and 
you kind of can go into this area where they start talking about astral projection and like what that is and what it details. And you know, empirically, there's oh, astral projection. No, that's just a lucid dream. Um, no, there's differences. Um, lucid dream, you can control. You can con- if you're skilled and you practice, you, you can control a lucid dream like a hundred percent. If you're, you know, at that, if you're able to do it. Um, astral projection is a little different. There's uh, phases to achieve this. Like you got to go through the sleep paralysis phase, and you're going to have a lot of weird physiology stuff. Kind of sometimes, somehow, uh, some sometimes similar to different types of breathing techniques and meditation techniques that can kind of produce weird um, physiological effects. So I kind of propose that maybe these, um, you know, ETs don't need to like literally lift your physical body out of your room they can essentially hone in and pick up you know that almost like that dream avatar or that astral avatar that you go every night you know some have more control of it than others and they're just you know they're able to replicate that and create it physically in a craft or an area and do experiments or do whatever they do and then poof you know, you, it's like you never, you never even left. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, that doesn't really explain implants. That doesn't explain how I had that, that burn mark, unless there's some type of like connection. I, you know, I don't know. I think every point you've made there, um, like 100%, it could be any one of those things. And who, who's to say yeah. it isn't? That's the like, scary part. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? It's like, who isn't to say it's oh, like almost a combination of things because I guess from different people's experiences, they sort of fall into those categories maybe a little more than others and so on. So it's really like this is the hardest thing with this phenomenon, I think, is like there's so many different experiences out there and I guess it's I guess it's our minds, right? Like I guess we're just not we're not really built to comprehend uh, this otherworldly type of like, experience that's actually yeah. going on out there, right? So I think our simple minds are really trying to I guess we like things to be like black and white where it's like, okay, so this is what's going on and this is why. But it just, it's so complex that, yes, we sort of have these overarching ideas and then we go, all right, what, what sort of best suits? But as, you know, every point you've just made, and I feel like um, I have harped on about every one of those points on this podcast, uh, I feel like how do you know, right? But you can't really be set in stone. You have to be open to everything until we, I don't know, I guess get a little closer to what actually is going on. It's going definitely going to be very tough to start actually once it's the taboo starts to, which is who knows how long it'll take. Once the taboo starts to slowly um, diminish um, more research and a lot of these like experiences with ETs and stuff will um, come hopefully be published and kind of just come forward. But, even quick to, to bypass academia, which works at the, the speed of the slowest turtle. Just tell your story on YouTube, your friend. That to me is just speaking the truth and what happened to you and having that strength to not care what the skeptics or denialists. I think that a lot of people aren't really even skeptics. They're just denialists, but they'll just deny, deny, deny instead of actually looking at what you have to say or the evidence. They'll just deny, deny, deny. I'm like, okay. Oh, Okay, that's not really healthy. You know, a skeptic will hear what you have to say and then, you know, say what, uh, you know, say how that doesn't fit this or doesn't fit that. 
but there's to me it's a lot of these skeptics lean more towards just denial of the phenomena or how can i um how can i explain against this or how can i you know debunk this it's like that debunking is not the point the point is finding the truth oh it turned out to be a lie okay it's debunked you know the it, the point shouldn't be debunking which is i feel like is kind of Overarched. So, Adam, with you being a research psychologist, I'm just curious about what your thoughts on close encounters of the fifth kind is, you know, the process of meditating to actually speak with extraterrestrials. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so see if I've, yeah, it, it, it freaking works. Um, and, you know, is it because I've had experiences? Is it because I meditate regularly? I, could be. I think those are probably important factors. Um, but I've had success with it. And uh, my girlfriend has had success too, and my brother. My brother's ridiculous. It's, it's like literally, like when it was, we had a family dinner, uh, the last three family dinners we try to like get together every week or so and just have dinner together. The last three dinners, he's been like before, like I I would uh, like I'll pick him up and drop him off, and uh, like before we leave, and he's like, yeah, we're gonna try C five real quick. I'm like, ah, he was like, nah, you, you can try. I'm 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 kind of burnt out today. Just try, literally like five seconds. He's like, yep, yeah, right there. I'm like, I look up. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and then, yep, just a white, just a white orb, just boop, appears there. Travels, travels, travels. Starts to dim, starts to dim, and then poof, gone. That's insane. He's done it like on several, uh, like several occasions. And you know, you can say, oh, you know, this plenty of celestial objects and stellar objects in the sky but when you're doing that repeatedly you know if you really putting the intent out and it's happening it's the same craft every time well i don't even know if it's a craft it's just like this very bright like plasma ball it's the same kind and my brother and even myself were kind of under the impression this is more so like a potentially an interdimensional being or something like that and this is just just a an overlay it can go into this i guess it can communicate in this you know this you know universe of this in three dimensions and this is one of the ways it can actually just send its shadow or send a message or or something like that or like a, t- a text message is just like a little uh plasma ball ufo so i was saying you know i was saying c5 last year and on my youtube youtube video anybody can do it all it is, and I actually need to do, I haven't done a YouTube video in a while, um, but I, I've been meaning to do one, just a simple thing to do. And I think really if you have, if you have the basis of meditation or if you're just used to meditation, it'll definitely come a lot easier. Like I talk, I tell, I think everybody should meditate just like similar to like physical exercise, physical body needs certain things as well as the, I guess, mental body. I think meditation is one thing just we need for peace of mind. Stress is a killer and like anything I can do to lessen my stress stress in like a healthy way is good. So, you know, I propose, I tell people, you know, they're like, oh, I'm just so stressed. I'm so anxious. I'm like, just meditate 10 minutes a day. You'll most likely feel better in a couple of weeks. Like, I, don't, I can't sit still for 10 minutes. I'm like, you can't sit still for 10 minutes. How long were you just browsing Facebook? It seems to be 20 minutes. You're just scrolling. You know, it's like one of those things. It's like an attitude towards it that's like debilitating people from trying even to attempt it. So if you're like more accustomed to meditation, I think it'll be easier, but it's really just asking them to unveil themselves. You don't, I guess you could say, uh, you know, audible words are just in your head and just project that intent almost as if it's like, um, like a wave function, which, you know, the, the brain does work in wave functions, obviously very, very micro wave functions, but 
um, if you use your intent and as visualize it and project that intent out, it's just, just like, can you reveal yourself or say hello while kind of having this um, like a presence of mindfulness of just being in the moment and just kind of having a, a, a connection. Um, that's at least the way I do it. Um, and my brother's kind of done the same way. And it's just kind of, you know, looking up at the sky and just, you know, taking a few deep breaths, getting into that like meditative, you know, present state, um, which is very easy. Like, like I said, if you're used to meditation, if you're used to meditation, you can pretty much get it near instantly. That's just because how your body works it's, or really your body and brain is always trying to predict things. So if you start like the beginnings of your meditation, it's just going to, your body's going to know what to do. And it's already going to go into that, um, that like those processes. So yeah, it's just opening yourself up to intent. And to my knowledge, it's only been like those plasma balls. Those are the only crafts I've seen with C5. And it's been consistent. This is going back since last last August I was experimenting with it. Well, thank you so much once again. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And, you know, hopefully we can uh, catch up again in the future at some point. Yeah, I'd definitely be up for you. Yeah, this, this was great. I had a great time. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, there you go. Interview with an abductee. I really enjoyed doing this episode. It was a really good chat. Uh, and as I said earlier in the episode, if you want some bonus content, a great alien abduction experience, jump on the Patreon and you can grab that right now. And as I said, any podcast that I put up, you'll get exclusive content from those episodes that no one else is going to hear. Thanks again to Adam. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it around and share it with anyone who you think might enjoy this kind of podcast and everything like that. As I said, all the links in the description, Instagram, Facebook, the blog. Thank you so much, guys. And I can't wait to see you in another podcast episode real soon. Thanks. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.